Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. A medical breakthrough that could save thousands of lives and effectively quash the deadliest pandemic in more than a century is eminent, it seems. A vaccine for COVID-19. And all it took to reach this point, besides the incalculable pain and suffering of millions of people worldwide, was the talent of a veritable army of scientists, a push in the back and some crafty maneuvering by the U.S. government, a good idea that wouldn't go away, and billions and billions and billions of dollars. We spoke with Jim Richardson, the senior scientific liaison at U.S. Pharmacopeia, a 200-year-old scientific nonprofit that establishes federally enforced quality standards for, among other products, vaccines. He said, The amount of resources that are being applied to this is just unprecedented. Billions of dollars have never been, in such a short time, applied to a problem of this magnitude, even with H1N1 and other things that have happened over the years. This has really spurred a lot of a variety of different platforms that people have been working on for a long time. Dozens of companies, using several different scientific methods, have been gobbling up those government dollars, and quite a bit of private capital, too, in order to create a vaccine to stop the coronavirus that's behind this pandemic. It's obviously important work. The virus that causes COVID-19 has infected more than 56 million people in the world and killed more than 1.3 million. It's responsible for more than 250,000 deaths in the U.S. alone. Two of the companies in particular that are trying to create a COVID-19 vaccine have stood out from the competition by employing a bold and still unproven process. But this time, it just might work. Before the coronavirus that causes COVID-19 reared its spiky head early in 2020, creating vaccines was a painstaking, years-long process. The mumps vaccine was rolled out in 1967 in what's considered the fastest implementation in history. It took four years. The vaccine for this coronavirus, which is officially called the Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome Coronavirus 2, or SARS-CoV-2, is on a much, much faster track for a few reasons. First, because scientists have seen a virus like this one before. The SARS outbreak in 2003 that infected more than 8,000 people worldwide and killed nearly 800. The current virus, as it turns out, is 80% identical in genetic material to the one from 2003. So, all researchers needed this time was to see how this virus was different from the last one. The Chinese scientists who discovered the current virus back in January mapped its genomes almost immediately and provided everyone with a text file of its complete set of DNA. Secondly, the pair of companies leading the race for a vaccine, uh, Moderna, which is in partnership with the National Institutes of Health, and Pfizer, which is working with the German film BioNTech, finally seemed to have perfected a once-dismissed idea for a vaccine to attack the virus. This new method of making a vaccine, and more on that in a moment, is simply much quicker than the old one. And thirdly, well, those billions and billions of dollars certainly lit a fire. To understand these new vaccines, it helps to first understand the old ones. Traditional vaccines typically use a weakened or attenuated form of the offending virus to nudge along a person's natural ability to combat microbes. The dead virus is injected into the body, the immune system learns what it looks like and how to fight it, 
And so, when the real virus attacks, in best-case scenarios, our bodies are ready for it because they already have the antibodies to fight it. Moderna and Pfizer are using something different, called synthetic messenger ribonucleic acid, or synthetic mRNA, instead of a virus, to do the same thing, push our bodies into producing antibodies to attack and neutralize the coronavirus before it can hook onto healthy cells and make us sick. Potentially, it's game-changing, life-saving. But let's break it down a bit more. You've probably heard of DNA, that double helix molecule found in every cell that contains your unique genetic code. But mRNA, as its name flat out states, it's a kind of messenger that carries bits of genetic code from cell's nucleus out to the cell's ribosomes, which use that code to create proteins. Paula Cannon, an associate professor of microbiology at the University of Southern California's Keck School of Medicine, put it well when she told NBC News, if DNA is the big instruction manual for the cell, then messenger RNA is like when you photocopy just one page that you need and take that into your workshop. So here's how an mRNA vaccine works. Scientists target the spikes on the coronavirus, which are actually proteins that enable it to latch onto healthy cells. And by the way, it's called a coronavirus because these spiky protrusions look like coronas, something that suggests a halo or a crown. The synthetic mRNA in the new vaccine carries the code for this spiky protein. When introduced into a healthy body, the mRNA takes this code and joins up with the protein-making ribosomes in cells to manufacture the spiky proteins. That prompts our bodies to produce antibodies to destroy these strange proteins, including when they come attached to a real, invading coronavirus. Without their spikes, the coronavirus can't live and reproduce. So, end of story. The advantages of the mRNA method are many. On the business end, it's cheaper to produce a bunch of mRNA strands than it is to grow a bunch of viruses, then kill them off, and then build a vaccine around them. Without all those labor-intensive and time-eating steps, it's faster, too. On the health side, mRNA is probably less dangerous than dosing people with even a manageable amount of even a weakened or dead virus. And best of all, according to the latest data, it may be more effective. The disadvantages? Well, there are some. The biggest is that it's never been done before. mRNA technology, although it's been around for at least a couple decades, has never been used in a vaccine, so it's got a lot of proving to do. Late-stage testing on Moderna's and Pfizer's work, as of early December 2020, has been exceedingly promising. Both the Pfizer and Moderna mRNA vaccines have proved better than 90% effective. Moderna, which enrolled 30,000 adult participants in the United States, reported that just 11 of the 196 total COVID-19 cases in their study occurred among the vaccinated. The other 185 infections occurred in the placebo group. That equates to a 94.1% efficacy rate. And furthermore, none of the infected patients who had received the vaccine developed severe symptoms. Pfizer saw similar results in its phase three trial. In the trials, the vaccines also seemed to do more than simply ward off COVID-19. They've shown that they may reduce the rate of infection too, keeping those with the virus from spreading it to others around them. 
both companies are expected to apply for something called an emergency use authorization from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. If granted, they'll ramp up production on the vaccines, still testing as they go. If everything goes right, the general public might have access to these vaccines by the middle of 2021. But hurdles do remain. Manufacturing must increase at levels never before attempted. Shipping and storing these mRNA vaccines must be ironed out. The Pfizer mRNA vaccine requires it to be stored at negative 94 degrees Fahrenheit, that's negative 34 Celsius, and degrades after about five days at temperatures of just above freezing. Moderna's supposedly can be stored at 36 to 46 degrees Fahrenheit, that's 2 to 8 degrees Celsius, for up to 30 days, and remain stable at negative 4 Fahrenheit or negative 20 Celsius for up to six months. Most vaccine candidates now in the late-stage trials take two doses to be effective, so that has to be planned for, too. And determining who's first in line, what countries, and which people within those countries is still being worked out. In the meantime, other companies are deep in research and development using both mRNA and more traditional methods to bring vaccines to market. Some 54 vaccines are in clinical trials in humans, according to the New York Times, and at least 87 are in preclinical trials in animals. Richardson said, The mRNA methods, now that we have the efficacy numbers, are now in the lead, but there are many different candidates. There will likely be multiple vaccines that are licensed and available to the public. Who knows what the landscape will be in a year? We may have five or six more to choose from, just like flu vaccines. And because you need so much, you need multiple manufacturers. The pace has been breathtaking. Faced with one of the deadliest outbreaks of disease in many lifetimes, the government and private sector have joined forces to come up with a possible answer in record time. And what we've learned may help us handle the next virus that comes along. Richardson explained, the speed, the number of vaccine development corollary effects, uh, bioprocessing, knowing how to scale up, the coordination with the regulatory bodies like the FDA and other organizations around the world, I think those will pay benefits for years to come. Today's episode was written by John Donovan and produced by Tyler Klang. For more on this and lots of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. (laughs) 